I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. You know why? It's hurricane season. The new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Surge, surge, the new Miami, the new Miami, the new Miami. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. Joined, as always, by my wingman, Calvin Harris, Miami Hurricanes starting center on the 1991 National Championship team. He's got himself three rings. Calvin, uh, it's Thursday, August 20, around 1.30 in the afternoon as you and I record this. Hurricanes have completed their first scrimmage, their first two weeks, essentially, of camp. What are your early impressions? What are your early, early takeaways before we get into uh, today's episode? Well, uh, yeah, like we talked about uh, online, uh, pretty impressed with the first scrimmage because normally you have some bumps in the road. It looked like they were pretty smooth up until, like, that's the last drive or so. Not very many penalties, um, not a lot of loan assignments, just pretty good. I mean, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't, you, you weren't going against the full D-line, but still, there's a lot of talent on D-line, and I think in most situations, the defense is ahead of the offense, but this might be a situation where the offense is ahead of the defense because of the simplicity of the offense and the adjustments the defense has got to make to the speed. So, I think this next scrimmage on Saturday will even back up a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, to see once you start getting some guys back. You mentioned that the dudes who missed, Bill Brevin Jordan on offense. Uh, defensively, in your front, you were missing John Ford, Nessa Silvera. He's, you, you know, those are technically probably the two guys that are your starting defensive tackles. Nesta, I think, only played a few snaps. Quincy Roche, the transfer from Temple, is supposed to be one of your best pass rushers. He wasn't out there. So, really, you were missing three out of your four projected starters on the defensive line. Jalen Phillips did play, but I think it was only like a quarter and a half. Um, and then in the secondary, you were missing Amari Carter, so you, you, you had some freshmen getting some burn back there. But all of those things kind of help provide context because I think fans see the stats and everything that get tweeted out Sunday night, and they're like, oh, my God, De'Aaron King threw four touchdown passes, and Jalen Knighton ran for 128 yards and a touchdown. And, um, and, and you know, Xavier Restrepo had a 70-yard touchdown run, and, and, it, and it's all exciting because, you know, we've been star for offense around here. Um, but I think you got to put everything into context, and I think you guys certainly did when you were there playing at Miami, right? Whenever you knew first team was going against second team, and what what guys did in scrimmages. I mean, I know you guys always talk about you know how great the practices were, that they were harder than the games. But I think right now, when you look at this Miami team coming off a six and seven season, and you're excited about the potential, I think you also still have to say, hey, you know what? Let's see what happens when the ones on the defense play the ones on the offense which I'm sure that's a, that's an entirely different thing, right? I mean, yeah, the intensity picks up, and I'm pretty sure they go against each other in 11-on-11, but I will say this, the Jalen Knight thing is really the most impressive thing because, and to be honest with you, the four touchdowns that he had to because I don't think it matters. I think he did go against the one secondary a little bit, but the thing about it is, is that, you know, we always did scrimmages one-on-one, Two's on two, three's on three. Um, but they'll probably get into that this week, this scrimmage. But any time you go for 126 yards, I don't care if you're going twos, threes, 
in a mural. That's pretty good. You know, your first time in live uh, action in college. And, you know, everything Everything I've been hearing about that kid is that he's pretty, pretty, pretty talented. So we got a really nice backfield. Because Chaney didn't look bad either, apparently. No, uh, Chaney had a nice 40-yard run. I think he finished with somewhere around 57 yards. And, and initially, I think we, we reported 157 because that's I think they had a misprint in the uh, – in the stats that they handed us. Of course, the media didn't get to see any of this stuff, so we're dependent on the school to give all the information on scrimmages and, and whatnot and practices. And, you know, even before COVID, that was the case. We didn't get to see scrimmages. Uh, the coaching staff has always kind of kept us in the dark when it comes to that kind of stuff. Um, and we have to kind of rely on them to, to tell us the story of what happened. But, look, uh, either way, um, you know, you mentioned Jalen Knighton, and, and without question, I think, you know, you, you look at this freshman class, he looks like the guy who's standing out the most right now as far as immediate impact. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of ways you can dissect the roster. Um, Kelvin, you can, you can, you know, look at it position by position. You can just do it by individual uh, recruiting classes, right? You can say, hey, this guy was the best recruit in that class. I'm looking at it this way. I want to look at it as as breaking down this roster as who are Manny's guys? Who are the guys that signed uh, in the last two years? And what kind of impact are they making on this roster? Because to me, that's always a good way to tell how good a coach is in terms of recruiting and you know how he's able to sort of address needs. And I think Manny got a lot of credit in the offseason for what he did, picking up the transfers. Um, but, you know, player development – how guys uh, proceed from year one to year two, how quickly they're ready to make an impact. Those are all ways that you can that you can really look at a coaching staff and say, hey, they're doing their job. They're bringing guys along. And so the way I want to break down um, and, and do this podcast in particularly is just looking at the 52 players that Manny Diaz has recruited in the last two years. And now I'm going to put a little asterisk next to it because obviously Manny got the job from Mark Richt. Uh, basically at the at the end of the uh, 2018 season, um, you know, and, and so it was in December, January. So really that was still Mark Rick's recruiting class. Yes, Manny was on the staff as a defensive coordinator, but really that, that was Mark's class. His, his assistants, his staff were, were part of recruiting those kids. So um, it is somewhat, you know, uh, uh, Mark Rick's class, but still I'm, I'm going to look at the 52 guys Miami signed in the last two classes and, and sort of do a breakdown here with you, Kelvin, if we could, of, you know, who we think's um, really going to make an impact this year, who's probably going to redshirt, um, because that's an important part of a turnaround, the way you're trying to change a program and put your imprint on a program. And so um, I, I'm looking at it from that, from that perspective. And then next week what I want to do um, is, is go back after the second scrimmage and look at the guys that have been here that were part of Mark Rick's recruiting classes to see how you would sort of rank what you're getting out of those guys in that order. So... Let's start off this podcast by talking a little bit um, about these new arrivals. As I mentioned, 52 players signed in the last two classes. Um, you know, some of those guys are already gone. Uh, five of them are. Um, Tommy Kennedy, Asa Martin. I think you throw those guys into the bad signing sort of po- portion. Yeah. And then the good signings, right? The good signings, you go with K.J. Osborne, Trevon Hill, and Chigozi uh, Naruka because all three of those guys played, correct? Um, good, bad. And then the Naroska, however you say his name, Chikozi, average. Mm. Right. Correct. Correct. 
Um, so to me, it looked like a pretty good. I mean, you hit 500 on those guys, and, and they were part of the 2019 signing class. You hit 500 on them um, because Tate Martell, technically, you got to throw him into the bad signings because I don't think he's going to end up playing here. Uh, if he does, it's going to be in garbage time, well, etc. So you got to give him credit for a hot throw. Right, you got to give him a credit. So of the six guys no longer on the or the five guys no longer on the roster, then one guy who's probably not going to do anything here. Those six guys. You separate them, and that's how I kind of did my rankings. These are the next 46 guys that, that Manny's recruited. And, and let's start off at the top with instant impact guys because, to me, there's obviously several obvious choices here, guys that were brought in, and this group is mostly made up of um, transfers. Okay, I think eight of the top ten on my list are transfers. But basically, this is how I had it. Uh, number one, De'Aaron King, certainly at the top of the list. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Phillips, number two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Quincy Roche, three. Mm-hmm. Jared Williams, the right tackle, mm-hmm. uh, four. Jose Borgales, uh, five. Yeah. Um, and then the next five. So all five of those guys are transfers. And then the next five is Jalen Knight in the running back who we just talked about. He's the, the, the I think to me he's going to make the biggest impact of all the young players that Miami's recruited in the last two years. Um, then I got Bubba Bolden, seven. Usman Treor, who's probably going to be the starting left guard, eighth. Lou Headley, ninth, because he's your punter, and then Sam Brooks, 10th, he's the outside linebacker. When you look at that list and the way of, of – uh, do you disagree with any of those guys being in the top 10, or how do you how do you sort of view that list, uh, Kelvin? I would put Headley above Jalen Phillips. I mean, uh, Jalen uh, Knight. You put Headley above Jalen Knighton. Okay, why? He's going to be the best punter in the country. <laughs> I mean – just after what he just off of what he did last year, he's and then let me see who you have at ten. So at ten, I had Sam Brooks. Basically, he's you know kind of a borderline starter. I think at this point, especially after what we learned uh, from the first scrimmage, which was basically that Bradley Jennings is is getting a lot of work uh, with the first unit at middle linebacker. Essentially, Zach McLeod has moved from middle linebacker back to weak side, which is what he's played primarily in his career. I think. We all went into camp with the idea that, you know, Sam Brooks was was definitely going to be starting um, because, you know, what he did in the bowl game and how he was this young and upcoming guy. But I think it's really an open competition at the linebacker spot. So I have Brooks rated a little bit lower than the rest of these guys because I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to start or just be a rotational player. Um, but that's what I had as far as my top ten. Um, I would replace him with Jahari Harley. Okay. You think Jafari Harvey should be in the top ten? Okay, well, look, I mean, I have him. I have things set up here, sort of as, you know, instant impact guys, one through ten guys that will be starters and play major roles, and then I have what I call the next level impact role players, which are guys that could be starters, but really are more of like in a role type setting. And uh, and again, this is all from the last two recruiting classes, uh, the players that Manny Diaz has technically signed as, as his recruits. Um, uh, let's go over my next 11, the uh, or my next 10, the next level impact role players. At 11, I had Jeremiah Payton, who I think projects as the, probably the number four receiver right now. I would think that uh, the way the year is going to start, you're going to see a lot of D. Wiggins, a lot of Mark Pope, and a lot of Mike Harley, and then, you know, those other guys sort of rotating in. So I had Jeremiah Payton at 11. Uh, Jafari Harvey, I had 12th uh, because he's kind of the fourth defensive end, I think. You know, once Quincy Roche comes back, I know Harvey played a lot in this last scrimmage, but I think he'll be a second-team guy that kind of rotates in. Then I had to Corey Couch, uh, 
who's part of the 2019 class. He's going to be the nickel corner. Keontra Smith, who I, I think projects as probably the backup striker to Gilbert Frierson, although that's a battle that still has to continue on. And then uh, Chance Williams, I had him 15th because I think he's the fifth defensive end. And I think, you know, he had uh, two sacks, I think, in this first scrimmage and looked really, really good according to what coaches have talked about. So that's my my next five. And then after that, I have uh, Christian Williams, who we think is the fourth cornerback, um, you know, four-star kid out of the 2019 class. Xavier Restrepo at 17, the receiver. Donald Chaney, 18th, because I think he's the third running back on the team. Followed by Ja'Kai Clark, who obviously started 12 games last year at right guard. He's the backup center. And then Zion Nelson, who was the starting left tackle last year, um, but is now sort of the backup uh, left guard, left tackle. That's kind of his role. Uh, I think you you can see him at a lot of different spots. What do you think of that next 10, uh, Kelvin? And, um, you know, ultimately, you've got 20 guys here that I think are all going to be part of the rotation and playing some level of impact, correct? Yeah, I think Clark moves up because – he can play all three inside positions, then I think him and Trey are going to probably alternate a little bit because it's still up in the air. And then he's also the backup center. Well, that's my top 20. And then I have another group that I called the next 10 um, that could be role players in 2010, um, as well as a group that I, that I think is sort of projected, a group of 16 players uh, that project towards – red shirts this year um granted look we're going to see what happens with the ncaa and eligibility anyway but i think from a playing time perspective i think these are guys that are going to play a lot less and and essentially will be scout team type players this year but um as far as role players in the next 10 that 21 to 30 group this is how i had them ranked at Corey Flagg, number 21, and part of that is how impressive I think he was in that first scrimmage and how much the coaches have sort of praised him. You know, he's a guy that projects as a middle linebacker. Um, you know, obviously Bradley Jennings right now is running first uh, team at middle linebacker, but I think Corey Flagg has really impressed the coaches, um, and, and he's a guy that, you know, again, you look at what happened just a couple years ago with Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney playing as true freshman. Manny Diaz basically said, um, you know, that that competition, that linebacker is wide open. I think Corey Flagg will play this year, and, and maybe if it's just special teams or if somebody gets hurt, but I think he's a guy that could see the field early. Um, have Michael Redding, um, the four-star wide receiver, the top-ranked receiver uh, in this last class uh, in 2020. I have him next. Kashawn Smith right after him, another, four, uh, another three-star receiver in this last class. Then I get to Avery Huff, Tyreek Austin Cave. Uh, Avery's a guy I know we've heard a lot of great things about at that outside linebacker position, and, and you know, he redshirted last year. Um, he had some academic things he had to work out. But I think he's a step behind some of these other linebackers that we've already mentioned, um, and, and that's only because he's having to put on weight, beef up, and then you know kind of adjust to college. Um, I have Tyreek Austin Cave right after him because, uh, he again, he had an impressive first scrimmage, and he's an athletic guy. I think he could play special teams this year. So that's my next five. And then my final five in the top 30, Jason Blissett, defensive tackle, Jalar Hawley, defensive tackle, Jared Harrison Hunt, defensive tackle. I had all three of those guys sort of lumped in because, to me, they're the second and third wave of the defensive tackle position. Um, and then Cameron Williams, the defensive end who was recruited last year, just like Avery Huff, academic issues, ended up redshirting. And, but I've heard a lot of good things about what he's done. And then Larry Hodges, who's technically the third tight end on the team. Those, those are my role players slash 20 to 30 guys from this last recruiting class. Any problems with those guys, Kelvin? No, I think all those guys are going to make a contribution this year. 
Right, but just not in a major role, right? I mean, I think I have them kind of categorized in the right group, which is the next tier after the top 20. Yeah, you know, the linebacker thing is interesting to see because Austin K's been in president. Huff, he and Huff have similar traits. I think um, Huff's having a little bit of an adjustment problem, but I think he'll be all right, and I think Austin K will be all right, too. Um, and then Flag. Yeah, he's been impressive. Like the people I knew in Texas, you know, it was you had some who were saying, Well, he's just a product of the system, but then people around his high school program were saying that he was the uh catalyst to their defense. So I'm not surprised because from an intellect standpoint, he, he had it all upstairs and then, you know, he's coming, he's been technically sound from what I understand. He just when you look at his measurables, it's not the ideal measurables, but hey, I mean you know, Mike Singletary wasn't ideal measurably as well. And, you know, he went on to have a Hall of Fame career. And I think, you know, I'm not saying it's going to be Mike Singletary, but I think he's going to be a productive linebacker. Um, there, There's another 16 guys that are part of this uh, these two last two recruiting classes, and I have them in as sort of the red shirt candidates slash future impact. And I just – I'm going to tell them here as a breakdown by position, but – Tyler Van Dyke, Peyton Matoka, I think both of those guys, uh, you know, right now I would say probably Nikosi Perry is probably going to be the backup quarterback. And then, you know, Peyton um, and and Tyler, I think, are more of, of guys that project to redshirt this year that won't play as, as long as De'Aaron King is healthy and upright. Um, then uh, among pass catchers, I think uh, DeZalen Worsham, I, you know, I've heard he's, he's such a good route runner, et cetera, but I, I just, I think... At some point, you're going to have to t- pick a receiver that doesn't play a whole lot. And, I, and to me, he's kind of that guy when I look at, at, at the position of, you know, who, who gets on the field. I think he's probably the, the eighth or, or, or ninth receiver. Um, Dominic Mamarelli, he's the fourth tight end. Um, you know, he's a guy that's perfect to sort of spend the year getting him in shape and then getting him ready to contribute as soon as Brevin Jordan goes pro next year. Um, and then Jalen Rivers, Isaiah Walker. Chris Washington, Adam L. Gamal, those are your four offensive linemen that um, you you can afford redshirting this year because you've got other guys ahead of them that are that are ready to rock. Um, and then defensive linemen, Elijah Roberts, Quentin Williams, both of those guys, I think you know just because of a depth issue, uh, you're not going to be able to play them. Um, and then um, in the secondary, I got six guys here that I'm not sure make an impact this year, although Marcus Clark might be sneaking in into that list. I know he had an interception in the scrimmage, um, but essentially the six uh, DBs that Miami recruited in this last class I think could all potentially redshirt. I have Avante Williams, who obviously we learned isn't going to play this year anyway because of a pre-existing health uh, chronic injury, I guess, that he had. Um, you have uh, Jalen Harrell, the four-star safety, Isaiah Dunson, the four-star corner, Clark, who I just mentioned, Kashawn Washington and Brian Balaam, who are both safeties. Um, any issues with those guys or any of those, of those 16 guys that I mentioned, do you think any of them have a real shot at playing this year? I think Jalen Harrell, maybe, possibly Keyshawn Washington. And Keyshawn Washington, uh, you think one of those two? Okay. Yeah, I mean, at corner, uh, we got four solid corners, so as long as there's no injuries, I don't see Dunstan playing much unless it's a special team. Mm-hmm. But look like to me, it's gonna be the wild, wild west. So shoot, all these guys gonna get a free year, so they may all play on Right. It's all gonna depend on the eligibility, and obviously, we heard reports yesterday that the NCAA is considering giving everybody sort of a free pass for this season. 
Um, you know, that's a whole nother show for us to do. Um, but essentially my thoughts on that are, you know, do they change the, uh, 25, 85 rule, you know, 25 signees per year, 85 total, um, to, you know, to kind of give everybody a, uh, a free year to come back next year. Um, well, to, well, to be honest with you, when I was in when I was in school, it was ninety five scholarships. So I wouldn't be surprised if they jack it up to ninety five just for the next year or two, right? Until they get the numbers back. Either way, if that happens, then then everything is is off in terms of who plays and what doesn't. But in the end, you still have a rotation, right? I mean, these coaches are only oh, yeah. going to end up playing the best guys on the field. And so this is – the reason I put this together, one, was because I wanted us to kind of break it down again. You know, Manny Diaz has signed 52 guys since he took over from Mark Richt. And, you know, people always make that argument, um, Kelvin, you know, whose team is this? Well, you got to give a coach time to recruit his players. And I think by looking at it through this lens – you can start to sort of look at the personnel and say, okay, wait a minute. These are Manny, these really are Manny's guys. This is, you know, this is the kind of impact that he's getting. And I think when you look at the top 10 in particular, it's obvious um, eight out of the 10 are transfers. They're guys that, that had to come in immediately to help this program and, and, and help turn it around. And it's a testament to Manny, whether they're transfers or not. The fact that he was able to get immediate help to fix this program is big. I mean, you got De'Ara King, who's your best offensive player uh, at the quarterback position. You pick up Jalen Phillips, who is going to be your best pass rusher. You get Quincy Roche, who now all of a sudden, you know, his role is so much bigger with with Gregory Rousseau leaving. Um, Jared Williams is going to be your starting right tackle. Borregales is going to solve your kicking problems. Um, Bolden, essentially, with how good he looked in that first scrimmage, you'd think he's going to be, you know, one of the two starting safeties, probably with Gervin Hall. I don't, I don't know what Amari Carter's going to do here when he comes back, but he's going to have to prove it. And then, you know, Treor, who was didn't do anything last year, now all of a sudden he's running with your first team at left guard. And then Hadley, your punter. I mean, to me, Manny D has obviously addressed a lot of issues, but it still shows you where a lot of the young players are and how it takes time to, to grow and, and to be in that upper echelon when, when you don't have a lot of freshmen or even redshirt freshmen impact in terms of starting in two years. It shows you that this is, a to me, by looking at it this way, the way we've just done it on this podcast, it shows you the progression of how you, you bring in new players and what you make of them. Well, you know, it looks like, it's going back to how it should be if you're going to be a championship team. But a lot of young guys not playing or, you know, redshirting, uh, playing sparingly or redshirting. Because um, if you're playing a lot of truth, like you know, how you had Zion playing last year, the Kyle playing, that's not a recipe for success. No. You know? So, you know, this year you got, okay, your right tackle's a senior, your right guard's a third-year junior, Fourth year junior at center, third year junior at guard, and uh, third year junior at fourth year, no, third year, yeah, what was he? He was a, yeah, third year sophomore. So he's, you know, everybody's got at least three years of college on the offensive line. That's really how it should be. And then you look at the tight ends, both of them are three year guys. You got a, three-year, a three-year, and a four-year at receiver. You're running back to three years. So, yeah, that's a formula for championship. Yeah, you had to get older. And, and again, you, like you mentioned, I think it was a great point. You were forced last year to basically play Zion Nelson and Ja'Kai Clark. Um, you had no choice because of 
how the roster situation was. And, and you know, you, you still have a lot of that dead weight on this roster. Guys who, you know, we do next week's episode and we look at, okay, well, who's who's left? You know, who who's not part of this new Manny Diaz personnel movement? Um, I think when we break down that roster, you're going to really see, like, man, Manny had a huge hole to fill because of some of these guys just not working out, not developing the way that they should have. And uh, more so on offense and defense, because if you look at the guys, yeah. like if you think about the guys that you got on this list that are from last year's class offense, you got El Gamal was redshirted, um, Peyton Matoka, who was a redshirt freshman. Uh, offensive line, okay, Zion and Ja'Kai Clark, they were late, or, you know, late guys, so I'll give I'll give Manny credit for those guys. Um, none of the wide receivers, did we, did we sign any wide receivers there? Well, you had Jeremiah Payton, who, who okay. yeah, he Payton. was the one guy, right. So, for the most part, most of the young guys are defensive guys, and those are those are the leftovers from Mark Staff that came with Manny. So Manny's got his fingerprint on the pulse of this roster. And if it is successful, it, it's all him. And if it fails, it's well, it's all him. So, you know, there's nobody to push out in front of that bus. Yeah, and I think in the end, you know, again, there's it always comes back to that question, you know, at least when when you when you're going to decide to fire a coach or make a coaching change, right? It's well, did he have time to bring in his guys? Did did he have time to really tweak the roster and make it look the way that he wanted it to look? And I think there's no question, 52 guys, 47 that are still on this roster are technically Manny guys and and guys that he was uh, the head coach at least um, when they signed, and so. Um, I don't know, man. I thought this was kind of a fun exercise, a different way to look at it. And like I said, next week when we look at it from from the other perspective of, okay, these are Rick's guys and what are they doing? How do they sort of fit into the roles here? Um, you know, it's going to be an interesting breakdown. But of all the freshmen um, and, and redshirt freshmen, of all the young guys, not the transfers, who do you like the most um, as far as projecting to be a star at Miami and really be a part of this team when they line up and play in 2021 and 2022? Jalen Knighton, Chance Williams, Two Corners, Jeremiah Payton, Farrah Harvey, and Jalen River. I guess the question is quarterback, right? I guess that's the one thing we got to see if Tyler Van Dyke is, is really going to blossom into that guy. I think he is. I'm not saying he isn't, but I, I guess that's the one area where you say, okay, there's no real quarterback necessarily. I don't think he's going to beat out. Nicosi and Nicosi's on the roster. Okay. I think Nicosi's always had the physical ability. It's just a matter of is he learning from what he's seeing from the guy that's in front of him now, Pierre King. And I don't, I, I really like Tyler Van Dyke. I just think that Nicosi Perry will be, I think even if Nicosi is the starter, they'll find a way to get Tyler Van Dyke some playing time to get him ready for 22. We'll probably be back to a regular 12-game schedule. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have some layups in the lineup, and then he'll get a chance to get extended playing time. And then, you know, this is going to sound harsh, but, hey, you know, it's reality. At the end of this season, in this school semester, 
they have to have a really tough conversation with Tate Martell. Say, listen, we appreciate what you've brought to this school. You've been, um, you have been a problem, but we're going to need to get that scholarship. Well, if I'm Tate, I'm guessing I'm, I'm looking for a place where I can actually get on the field and play and, and have an impact I mean, if, if he still I'll wants to play football. Over the, right. I'll make a call over to Florida Memorial right now. <laughs> hey, you know, one one thing when you look at this roster, um, and you, I don't know if you need to get that. Do you need to get that? No. You're good. No. You're good. Um, <laughs> um, when, you, when you look at this roster, and, and, and especially these last two recruiting classes, one thing that hits you right off the bat is that with those transfers, okay, they're, those guys are going to have to be replaced next year. I mean, De'Eric King, Jalen Phillips, Quincy Roche, Jared Williams, Jose Borgales. I'm guessing all five of those guys are going to be in the NFL next year. Yeah, but we got a replacement for Borgales. Right. You got a replacement for Borgales, but, you know, Jared Williams, certainly, you know, you, you need to. Re- we got a replacement for him, too. Is it Jalen Rivers? Or Zion Nelson, one of the two. Okay. Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips, I mean, two defensive ends. Yeah, replacement for both of them. Okay. All right. Jafar Harvey. Chance. Cam Williams. Chance Williams. Okay. And then quarterback. Those are the five main guys. And then, you know, Bubba Bolden, assuming he leaves. I mean, you could end up with the three, all three safeties gone um, after this year. Bubba Bolden, Gervin Hall, and Amari Carter. Carter is, of course, a senior. I think that's going to be the weak spot. It's going to be what happens. How good are Balaam and Harold? And uh, who's the other Vontae Williams, right, who, who you would have liked to get him to play this year, but unfortunately he's got a, a medical condition. I think tr- – Yeah, but if he, can, if he can play in spring, he'll be all right. So next year, I mean, if you look at it, Jalen Knighton, Treor, uh, I would assume Hadley would come back unless he's ready to go to the NFL, and then you'll have Brooks. Those will be in, in, among the top ten players that Manny Diaz has. Those will be the top three guys coming back along with the other impact role players that I that I said earlier. Peyton, Harvey, Couch, Keontra Smith, Chance Williams, Christian Williams, Restrepo, Cheney, Clark, Nelson. Um, it's just interesting. To me, this whole roster construction is, is really interesting and in how hard a job it is for a college coach with the NFL, with guys leaving early. You know, for instance, what happened with Gregory Rousseau this year? Um, you know, as a coach, it's the most important thing you do. It's roster construction and being able to take hits uh, and punches, to take injuries, to take kids transferring. It's really a challenging uh, endeavor, is it not? It is, and you got to recruit two years at a time, right? Yeah, you got it. You got to for the you know while they're recruiting twenty one, they're also looking at twenty two, right? You got to have those guys lined up, so. Anyway, Kelvin, this was a fun episode. I'm glad we did it um, because I wanted to kind of look at, like I said, look at the roster from a different perspective. I know spring, uh, I mean, sorry, a fall camp is going on and everybody's so focused on, okay, what, who's this guy starting? Who's that guy? But I think a fun way to, to look at this is always, hey, you know, how much of an imprint does Manny Diaz have on this team in terms of personnel and players? And how are his guys sort of progressing and coming along? And I thought this this opportunity to look at it from that perspective uh, was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just going to say it one more time. 14 and 0. <laughs> we shall see, man. We shall see. Scrimmage number two coming up on Saturday. We'll be back next week. Take another look at this football team as we get closer and closer to that September 10th opener against Alabama-Birmingham at uh, Hard Rock Stadium. 
for Calvin Harris, I'm Manny Navarro. Wide right is out. But it's JT Foe down the seam. Jay Will with a TD. Kickoff team ready to eat. First two, knock them out. Dinner is on me. DJ Dallas with the shakes.